Yes, no? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear me. All right, let's, um, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for being so merciful and so indulgent and so forgiving uh, for your servants on this earth. And Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. And Father, we pray now that the word you would have us to understand would help to better ourselves and better your kingdom on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> today we are going to talk about Bob's uh, understanding of Psalms 91, right? So Psalms 91, there's like all kind of books written on Psalms 91. There's a gazillion sermons on Psalms 91. And <clears throat> I guess what makes Psalms 91 so popular today is they talk about the noisome, noisome pestilence, which is another word for COVID kind of thing, right? So let's start off by reading uh, Psalms 91. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and look at it kind of verse by verse, if I can get it up. And this is supposed to be King James, right? <clears throat> so here goes 91. This is what Leon reads over us every night. And I don't know that we understand all of it, but we understand some of it. Um, anyway, Psalms 91, let's read it. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wing shall thou trust, and his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eye shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, thou shalt no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. And thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon thou shalt trample under feet. And because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him on high, because he has known my name. And he shall call on me, and I'll answer him. And I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So that is a really feel-good kind of scripture 
talking about what God will do for us. <clears throat> now, Psalms 91 was written by Moses. Now, I used to think all the Psalms were written by David, but that, yeah, I, I was wrong. Anyway, it was written by Moses as a prayer of protection over God's people and a prayer of encouragement that, you know, that people can, could look and see that God was there to protect them. And it certainly contains a lot of good news that the people in Moses' day would have liked to hear and certainly the people today want to hear and really everybody in between. But these promises do have some conditions. And I, I know we read through and we like to hear all the promises, but we don't want to think too much about the conditions. And the conditions are really set forth in the first two verses. So let's go back to verse 1. Got it? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, this is a little bit complicated, but, you know, it's complicated for me. Maybe it's not for you. But we're talking about dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. What does that mean? I mean, off the top of your head, you know what that means? I, I thought that was kind of like a secret place with God or something like that. But <clears throat> in Moses' time, and, and again, this gets a little complicated, but in Moses' time, the secret place referred to the Ark of the Covenant, and on the Ark of the Covenant, there was a, a lid, a golden lid that sat on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And on the golden lid were two cherubims, kind of bird-looking things facing in like that, and between those two things, on top of that <clears throat> lid, that's where God appeared, right? Because remember, Old Testament, God lived in the Holy of Holies, right? When Moses built the tabernacle in the um, desert, and he, we had all the Ten Commandments and stuff, and we put it in the Ark of the Covenant, and we built all of this stuff. Well, all of it was tents, right? Because they moved from place to place. <clears throat> but that... Um, lid and stuff was called the mercy seat, right? That's where God lived, and that was the mercy seat, and that was the secret place. Now, the only people that could go into the Holy of Holies were just certain priests, right? I mean, it had to be the high priest, and he had to go through a lot of uh, cleansing and sacrifices and that stuff, and if he didn't, he would fall dead when he went into Holy of Holies, right? So they had to tie a rope on him and put bells on him and, and all those kinds of things. But that was Old Testament. Now we move to the New Testament after Jesus' death and resurrection. And now we, the believers, have access to God through Jesus, right? Not, not on our own, but through Jesus. And, and all of this is, is nothing that we have earned it is nothing we deserve, uh, none of those things, right? This is God's gift of grace to us. But after his resurrection, after Jesus' death and resurrection, now we have the access to the Holy of Holies. We have access to the secret place. So for us, for, for the people in Moses' time, 
the, the secret place was a particular location, right? It was wherever the Ark of the Covenant was and the, and the lid and the mercy seat. It was a particular location. Now for us, it's not a physical location. It's a secret place is when we can come before God as believers in Jesus. That's the only way we kind of get there and realize that like all his promises are true. And we don't get there very, re- I, I don't get there very regularly, right? But when, when you just get a piece about yourself and get an understanding in your, your spirit that, that God is real and God wants to help me and God's promises are true. That's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough place to be. And then it says, the one that dwells there. Now, where do you dwell? Dwell. Like, sometimes we go to Disney World and we stay in a resort hotel or something like that. But we don't dwell there. We just kind of visit there for a little while and then we come back home, right? So when, when the, um, Moses is talking about he that dwelleth in the secret place, he's talking about you're not coming and going, right? You live there. Your focus is there. You're not there for a little while and then you're not there for a little while, which is like talking to me, right? I'm, I may be there for an instant, and then I'm not for a long period of time. So working on ha- making a conscious effort to speak with God, to fellowship with God, to study God's word, that's how we get into the secret place of the Most High. Now, again, pretty complicated, but does that make sense, right? So we're not, we're not looking for the... He's not still looking for the Ark of the Covenant like Indiana Jones or something like that to get to the secret place, right? Our secret place is a lot easier because God has given us access to him through Jesus, right? That's the only way. So to dwell in, let me read my notes. So to dwell in God's place, we must make a conscious effort to get there and spend time there, not just passing through, not just visiting or whatever. Uh, not easy, not easy. Anybody thinks it's easy, you're kind of missing the point. But and when and the other part where it says, "He that dwelleth there shall abide under the shadow." Under the shadow is like a Jewish way of saying that you're protected. Like I think of it as like God standing up real big like that, and He's casting a shadow, and we're right there in front of Him under that shadow, saying, "Yeah, yeah, us, we got Him," you know. Like the little mouse with the whatever. Anyway, so now, so we got the secret place. We think we understand the secret place. That's how I understand the secret place. Like I say, there are like all kind of books written. There's all kind of explanations of what the secret place is. That makes sense to me, okay? Uh, the others, I, I don't know. But this is just Bob's understanding of, of what the secret place is. And again... These first two verses are the conditional requirements for getting all of these other blessings from God, right? Yeah, um, and I, like I say, you're not earning anything. Being in a secret place doesn't mean you gave a lot of money to charity or you do nice things to people all the time, right? 
getting there is like your personal relationship with God and spending time there and living in that, dwelling in that relationship. Okay? Verse 2. This might take a while. Might not. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Again, first of all, for all those confessional people, it said, I will say. And then it said, I will say. He didn't say he would think. He did, it didn't say that he would agree with somebody if they asked him a question about it. He says, I will say. I will say that God is my refuge. You know, what do we say? What, what does Bob say about God? Not nearly enough. What do y'all say about God? Do y'all say that all the time? God is my refuge. God is my helper. That's where he wants you to be, right? These, these first two requirements is where he wants you to be. If you want all these blessings and protection that follow, then he wants you to comply with these first two requirements. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, someone who will always be there to protect me from no matter what. And I think about a refuge as like, I always think of it as like a, a, a wildlife refuge, right? Where the animals inside there are protected from everything, right? Except poachers and stuff. But, but the law protects them. Inside there, they can't be hunted. They can't be disturbed. They can't be anything. That's where we're living in God's refuge and his fortress. Like when people come under, when we come under attack, God is the fort. God is the protection around us that, that keeps us from that evil. And then his last verse there, it says, in him will I trust. So I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And that is, that's the important point. One of the important points of verse 2 is, I trust God, no matter what, no matter what anything else says, not what, no matter what anybody else does, I choose to trust God. Pretty tough? Pretty tough. Sometimes we like to listen to uh, what mama used to do or daddy used to do or the best friend. I wouldn't do that, but in him will I trust. So if we dwell in the secret place of the Most High and trust God, what will God do? Well, we're going to get to that in a second. But, but if you think about living in, this, living, living in the secret place and trusting God, it's not a lot of difference there from the New Testament uh, wording that we have where James says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. That means we live there. We're not visiting faith. We have faith. So nothing wavering. Nothing changes. But in God, and James says, let that man think that he'll receive anything from God. Right? Because he's wavering. He's not living in God's presence. He's just visiting. He, he lives there a little while, and then he leaves, and then he lives, and he leaves. Okay? That's not a good recipe for receiving anything from God. And back to Romans 10, 38, we talk about we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth. Just like verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord. 
I will say that he is my refuge. I will say that he is my fortress. I will say that he is my God. <clears throat> Making sense so far? We doing okay? Now we got past the requirements here. And I, and I hate to say requirements because requirement means that like you did something to earn those requirements, but you don't. It's all spiritual. It's all believing in God. It's all trusting God. And it's never wavering. It's dwelling in that place. It's not being there once in a while. It's not like an orbit where you come by every once in a while and then you're gone again. And every once in a while, that's, you know, you're kind of wasting your time when you do. I'm wasting my time when I do that. Verses 3 through 6. Surely, 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 he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler or any traps or accidents or whatever. And from the noisome pestilence, COVID, right? Pestilence is like an epidemic kind of thing. Noisome means like harmful or um, offensive or whatever. And he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And thou shalt not be afraid. <clears throat> Where was I going to read to? Six? Okay. And thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the hour that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that, that wasteth at noonday. And so God here in 3 through 6 is going to deliver us from all kind of bad things, all kind of diseases, all kind of sicknesses, all kind of accidents, everything evil. And then the other thing he does um, in those verses is he puts some times. He says, like, I'm going to protect you in the morning. I'm going to protect you at noonday. I'm going to protect you at night, 24-7, 365. God is there to protect us no matter what. God's always on the job, always cares about you, not going not gonna to take a lunch break or, or whatever kind of thing. All right, verse 7 and 8, verse 7 and 8. And then it says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thy eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Now, I, I, a, a little hard to understand here, where he says a thousand, and then he says ten thousand. Okay, and I, um, I heard, I read something that said, Satan uses these kinds of things. In other words, God's saying, I don't care what happens to everybody else. If you will dwell in my secret place and if you will trust me, it's not going to happen to you, right? So I know sometimes when we, we, we uh, maybe, uh, and I have to be careful what I say, but when we go to a funeral, sometimes we always ask questions like, was he sick very long? Did he have, what symptoms did he have? What did he, you know, what this, that? Oh, he was a lot younger than me. He was in better health than me. And Satan is just using that to say, huh, you probably next, dude. You know, hey, that guy was, that guy was pretty healthy. That guy was pretty healthy. You know, he was a, he was a health buddy. He exercised all the time. Look at you. You eat all the time. You don't exercise. You don't do these things. Hey, you probably next. Right? You probably not. But what, but what, does, what, what does verse 7 and 8 say? 
I mean, seven say, not so. Not so. I don't care what happened to those 1,000 over here or what happened to those 10,000 over there, right? I don't care. It's not going to happen to you. Now, I'm not saying there are a lot of things we don't understand. There's lots and lots and lots of things we don't understand. Bad things sometimes happen to good people, and that's Bob's opinion. Good things happen to bad people, and we don't know why. I, you know, if I could explain all that, I would be God. I would be absolutely God if I could explain all that. When you get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, you can ask. But I can't explain that. And I, you know, and I don't, and I don't claim to understand all that. But, I, but if, my, if I'm going to believe in what God says, then I have to stand on and be positive in the promises he's made to me. Right? Which is, which is not easy. But that's what I have to believe in. Regardless of what happens to those 1,000 on this side and 10,000 on that side. Seems a little lopsided, right? 1,000 here and 10,000. Anyway. So Satan is using those kinds of thoughts when we, when we do like, that guy, hey, it happened to that guy. Maybe it could happen to me. And verse 7 says, no, no. You'll just see it happen to those other people. It's not going to happen to you. All right. Verse 9. Verse 9. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Now, what he's doing in verse 9 is kind of restating what he said in verse 1, right? He's kind of reloading. He's kind of reloading to remind you what the, what the conditions are for receiving from God, and then he restates them. You know, this is when when he says, "Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation." In other words, I live in the secret place of the Most High. So, if if you think about David and Psalm twenty three, when he starts off the psalm, he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd. The shepherd for the sheep, he took care of everything the sheep needed. He protected them, he fed them, he warded them, he looked after them, he kept wolves and bears and whatever away from them. That's the same kind of thinking that we see here in verse 9. If we live there, if we live and trust in God, there's a protection around us okay now what do you get what do you get we will we go talk about what you get again verse 10 through 12 and thou shalt no evil befall thee neither shall any plague like covid come nigh thy dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways and they shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against the stone so, not only is he looking out for you, but he's assigned some angels to look after you. Um, Mr. Stump was always talking about angels looking after him. I don't know that I think about that. I don't know that I consider that, but certainly you should. God is not only looking, but he's assigning angels to look after you. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. You know, I would say... You know, God, I don't think I need that level of warranty, you know, kind of stuff. I can stand a stump toe. 
just, you know, help me with the big stuff and the little stuff. But God says, no, no, no. I want to help you with everything. I want to, I, you know, I don't want you to stump your toe. Angels are there to keep you. And then let's, let's jump over to verse 13. And thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder and the young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Where did that verse come from? Anybody trampling on lions and adders and lions and dragons? No. You know what my note says? Go big. You know? Lions, snakes, dragons. How about cancer? How about, you know, we're downside and you don't have a job anymore. How about those kind of things? You know, we, he says his angel will keep you from, from dashing your foot on against a stone. But in verse 13, he said, hey, We'll take on lions. We'll take on dragons. We'll, we'll even get those poisonous snakes that they, you die in however many seconds, right? So 13 says, go big, right? God is not there just to worry about the dashing your foot. He's also there when big things come in your life. Seemingly hopeless situations arise in your life. God's there. God's there to help you through those hopeless situations, Verse 14. Now we switch over on verse 14 to where now God is speaking again. Before that, Moses is speaking. He was saying, if, if you dwell and if you trust, I'm going to do these things. And then verse 9, he says, because you have made God your secret place and you live there, then those good things are going to happen. And then 13 says, go big. And then 14 is God speaking back to you. And God in 14, 14 says, because he has set, he, me, we, have set our love upon God, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I'll, answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So again, this is God speaking back to the believers now. Back, back to us. He's saying, because you have set your love upon me. Because you have made me your habitation. Does that mean 25, Thomas? Or you just stretch? Okay. Well, this is going to work out real good. Because he trusts me. Because he lives in a secret place of the Most High. I will bless him. I will bless him. I will deliver him. I will set him on high. When he calls on me, I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll honor him. I'll give him long life, like Miss Elsie. And I'll show him my salvation. God loves us. But there are some things that we have to get straight in our spirit to receive those blessings from God. I'm going to challenge myself to do more of those things. Because it's easily easy to get distracted, 
It's easy to think about family stuff and work stuff and this stuff and that stuff and not to dwell on what God wants us to do. Again, you got to live there. You can't just swing by once in a while. You got to live there if you expect God to keep his promises as well. I hope you all like that. Read some books on Psalm 91. They probably got a whole new take on it, but that's my take on it. All right? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you that you are so merciful and so gracious. And Father, we thank you that you have shown us how to receive the things from you and that how you love us and will bless us in mighty ways if we will learn to trust you and live in your, your secret place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.